Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the end of a series called The Four Pillars of Vertical Church, and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Pillar 4, Relentless Prayer. I hope that these messages on the four pillars will strengthen and challenge you as you grow with Christ. I want us to think again about alignment for a moment here. Jesus says here at the beginning of the verse, and this is a conditional leading to that promise, if you abide in me, that's important, and if my words abide in you. Now this is how we determine whether our prayers are aligned with the will of God. Give me a topic. Marriage. Marriage. Okay, we'll talk about marriage. Some people ask the question, should I, first, Will I get married? And who does God want me to marry? And when will that happen? Is that fair? So let's ask the question. I begin to pray about marriage. I want to get married. And I begin to pray. How do I know if God is going to answer that request? Two things we need to think about. The first question we should ask if we're thinking about marriage, per se, is what is God's will? Is it clear in Scripture? Now, in Scripture, marriage is beautiful. Marriage is a man and a woman. God created them in the garden and intended that for all time on earth. Now here's the question. Maybe you're thinking of marrying somebody and let's just say that it's not a believer. Well, then God's word speaks to that. You don't have to ask what is God's will. Scripture says if you're a believer, 1 Corinthians 7, end of the chapter, if you're going to marry, you need to marry somebody in the Lord. Someone that's a fellow believer. Okay? Now, what happens if, for example, the person is a believer? What do I do then? I want to pause here and say this. If you're thinking about something in your life, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's something else, sometimes we play, we play with God in our prayers. And we have these visions and this what we want done, and we go back to the telemarketer way of trying to twist God's hand and twist God into what we want. So if, let me say this for example. If you know you're praying for something that goes against what God has said in Scripture, let me just encourage you, you don't have to pray anymore. God's pretty clear. God's not going to answer that prayer. Some people will come to the pastor, this is my worst nightmare. If you want to be my worst nightmare, do this. Somebody will come for counsel and you're talking to them about what they should do. We'll just use the example of marriage and somebody says, hey, I want to get married, I want to get married and oh, this is a great guy and da, 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 da. And, then, and then you find out he's not a believer and he's kind of a tool bag. You find out some other things and you're like, eh, I'm not really sure. That, and they're like, no, I know it's God's will because God told me I'm supposed to marry him. That's like the ultimate ace card. That's like, boom, pastor, what are you going to say to that? God told me. I would say that's not the ace card, that's the joker's card. That's the joker card because the joke's on you. If God has been clear to you about what you're supposed to do, and you go around him, you're really not praying, you're telling God what you're going to do. One of the beautiful things about knowing what scripture says, why I would go back in our pillars to the word of God, is that one of the beautiful things as you grow in your faith is learning to pray God's word. And learning to go through the truths of God's word. God does not want me to be anxious. God, would you give me faith? Would you give me peace in this season as I give you my anxieties? 
You could go on thing after thing. The more and more, and if you went through my Bible right now, you would see prayers that I've written in the side right next to verses. If you want to know that your prayers are going to be answered, pray according to God's will, as Jesus said here in John. Now then sometimes it isn't clear. Should I marry Tom or Bill or Bob? All three are great guys. All three love Jesus. They all have different colored hair. They drive different kinds of cars. And I'm not sure who should I marry. There are things in life that we, when it comes to alignment with the will of God, are what I'll call non-applicable. We don't know. What do I do when I, I get a job opportunity in Cleveland or I get another one in Columbus, or I'm thinking about staying at my present job, which one of those three is God's will? How should I pray for God to direct me? Let me give you three things you can do when you're not sure what to do. The first one is to pray for wisdom. God's word in Proverbs, while it's maybe not a moral issue, a right or wrong issue, often in scripture, in the book of Proverbs, there's wisdom. And God calls us to live within wisdom. What is the wise thing to do in this particular situation? Second of all, ask for direction. God, I want to be aligned with your purposes for my life. God, would you give me direction? Would you bring mentors into my life that would help me to answer this question? God, would you bring passages of scripture that can help me think through this? But here's one thing that I'll say is very important, especially when you're praying and you're not sure what God wants. Answered prayers often begin from a heart of surrender. Listen, if I know God's will on X, if I were to be able to go into heaven and look down on my life and the future of my life, and I were to be able to see it clearly from God's eternal perspective, I can be confident, I can be confident that I would want exactly what he's allowing in my life. Now that's a big, that's a big thing I'm saying here. Because what happens when it's suffering? What, what happens when God sends me in the hard road? What happens when God puts difficult people in my life? What happens when God sends me curveballs? I just want you to know this. If you knew God's perspective, God's eternal perspective, you would pray for it. Now there are some times that we simply do not know what God's will is. How many of you times have ever felt a sense of being lost? I just don't know what God wants. I wish God would make it clear. I wish God would send me an email with the plan. I feel like I'm wandering and I feel like things are coming into play and I have decisions to make and I'm not sure what to do. I'll even say being transparent that through our own family's health journey, I get people that will text, will send me, not usually from this church, but other churches, other people I've known, and they'll be like, you just need to take your authority in Jesus' name, and you just need to do this, and then it'll go away. To which I'm like, unless God sent you a golden email that he hasn't forwarded to me. When I look at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, God allows suffering for purposes. God has bigger things he's doing. I'm not always personally sure what God is trying to accomplish, but my prayer is, God, let your purposes be done in my life, in Jensen's life, in Micah's life, in Isaiah and Elijah and Tears' life. I want your purposes for our lives, even if it involves suffering or continued suffering. Now, here's the beautiful thing. When we're lost, one of the most amazing verses in Romans 8, 
I love Romans 8. I've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit last week. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Not sinfulness, it's weakness. We're humans. We have limited perspective. He helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows with the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Maybe the ministry of the Holy Spirit is newer to you and you're learning the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is something awesome when you realize that the Holy Spirit that is in you, in moments, if you've ever had moments, you're just like, oh, I don't even know what to say. God, I'm, I'm discouraged. God, I feel lost. And, and there's a sense of just groaning and, and, and it is the Spirit of God in those moments who is coming before God and the Spirit who is the eternal Spirit who has perspective, who knows exactly what to pray, is praying those prayers up to the Father on our behalf. That is awesome. And when we feel weak and we feel helpless, we can go back to this passage. It's interesting. What's the very next verse after this that the Spirit is interceding for us? We're also told that Jesus is also living to intercede for us. Again, Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is what the Trinity engages in all the time, talking and relationship. But when it talks about the Spirit interceding for us, the very next verse is, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That as we are following Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in us, and in our moments of weakness and darkness and even despair, it is the Spirit of God in us crying out to God on behalf of us, God, your will be done. God, direct this person. When I can't even have the words to pray, it is the Spirit of God within me crying out to God. That is awesome. Prayer is supernatural. If you think of prayer, if prayer is not supernatural, then prayer would be a foolish waste of time. In which case, I would tell somebody, keep your theory, God helps those who help themselves. No, prayer is supernatural. Prayer is about drawing in the supernatural power of God to do what we cannot do. Now, some of it seems less supernatural when God gives me peace but it is supernatural, as opposed to when God does enormous things or unusual things, God can do both. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Here's the third question, and that is impact. Will my prayer lead to supernatural intervention by God? Let's just put it this way. Prayer doesn't lead to supernatural intervention by God. Prayer is a complete waste of time. If prayer is just to make me feel better, if prayer is just some sort of psychological aid, that's not what the text says. Look back at John 15. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And that's a massive promise. Now think about this question. What is Jesus' objective for prayer in your life? Why does he want you praying? He wants you to be fruitful and he wants you to bring glory to God. I love a quote by D.A. Carson from the seminary that I went to. He wrote this on John chapter 15. He says, there is considerable dispute over the nature of the fruit that is envisioned. The fruit, we are told, is obedience or new converts or love or Christian character. These interpretations are reductionistic. The branch's purpose is to bear much fruit. But the next verses show that this fruit is the consequence of prayer in Jesus' name. And it is to the Father's glory. This suggests that the fruit in divine imagery represents everything that is the product of effective prayer in Jesus' name, including obedience to Jesus' commands, the experience of Jesus' joy, verse 11, love for one another, and witness to the world. This fruit is nothing less than the outcome of persevering dependence in prayer on the vine, driven by faith, embracing all of the believer's life and the product of his witness. Now think about this. In your life, every one of us begins at nothing. Not fruitful. And in the distance, we can see over there, maybe we see it in other people's lives, we see a life of fruitfulness in character, all the things I just read, obedience, ministry fruitfulness, all of that, we see it over there. And we wonder, how do I get there? How do I get there? The answer very simply is, the bridge is prayer. Prayer asking God to supernaturally intervene. If you're here today and you're like, well, I feel like my faith has grown stale. I feel like far from God. I feel like God is not doing things in my life. I feel like my character needs to grow and I feel so unable to do it. Well, then I would tell you, you're going through the nothing experience. But you don't have to stay there. You can go to fruitfulness if you're willing to devote yourself to relentless prayer. It's really no more simple than that. Let me say this carefully, a distinctive of genuine disciples of Jesus Christ is prayer that leads to supernatural fruitfulness that results in glory to God. If you're like, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, one of our first questions for each other should be, well, how much fruit are you seeing in prayer? Because he says it right here, he says it right in the text, he says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be a disciple. If you have no interest in prayer, I would go back to the foundation of the gospel. The distinctive of genuine disciples of Jesus Christ is prayer that leads to supernatural fruitfulness that results in the glory of God. Prayer is about getting things done. It's about supernatural things getting done. Biblical prayer is the result of seeing our inability of embracing I am nothing in an eternal sense. Now you're like, well, I'm not nothing. I can do stuff. I can get stuff done. You know, that might be the single greatest hindrance to you having an effective prayer life is your effectiveness of getting other things done in your own capacity. Okay, I like to work hard. I have an A-type personality. I like getting things done. 
But the longer I've been a pastor, the more God has worked on me and humbled me, the more I've come to realize that my own activity does not equal fruitfulness. In fact, sometimes my activity holds back fruitfulness because what I'm really doing is trying to do stuff in my own strength instead of abiding in Jesus Christ and crying out to God in prayer. It might be that you are such a gifted person that you're holding back yourself in an eternal sense in prayer. Let's look quickly at one more question. Faith. Do I pray and cry out to God in faith both in urgency and consistency? This is the relentless part of relentless prayer. I want to quickly turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, make a note of this. When you read the Gospels, the thing that the disciples saw that was so distinctive of Jesus was prayer. They asked him about that. They didn't necessarily ask about this or that or how to set up a small group, how to even set up the church. But they did ask him about prayer. And he said this, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he, the person inside, from within, will answer, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus says, But I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is even his friend, yet because of his persistence or impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, Now he's talking about our approach to God in prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who who ask him. If we take this passage at face value, which we should, what it's saying is, is that God is waiting, is waiting for us to bang on the door of heaven a little bit and to cry out to him to do things, to answer our prayers. We are to seek and knock. We are to come into the throne room and ask him to do things. God is waiting to be moved. But will we have the faith to lean in? Now notice two things from this text, very simple. If you're gonna have a relentless prayer life, you need to have two elements. The first one is consistency. When it talks about the Lord's prayer, which I would hope you would pray, when Jesus was asked, what should we pray? Jesus gave them the Lord's prayer. And maybe you grew up Catholic or you grew up in another setting where people just hummed right through those and it was like a duty. It wasn't, it wasn't really, no, 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 no. You should be praying through the Lord's prayer like you're talking to your heavenly father. And there should be joy. There should be purpose. There should be, I've prayed through the Lord's prayer more than any other prayer by far. In fact, I try to do it on a daily basis first thing in the morning. 
I need God's forgiveness. I need his, I need his provision. I need him as protection from temptation. I want my life to be focused on his kingdom, not my own. And in the very beginning, I'm reminded that I have a father that cares for me. That comes from praying consistently. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily forgiveness, our daily protection. But then he goes further into the attitude, if you will. I would ask you this question. Not only do you have consistency in your prayer life, Do you also have urgency? Do you have times where you get down on your knees, where you bring the family into the living room and cry out to God? Do you have times where you set aside meals, where you get down and you cry out to God? Or is that a foreign thing to you? If you're gonna see God bring great fruitfulness, there are going to be times where you need to cry out to God full volume. This last few years have helped me grow in that. God, I need to see you. God, I need your peace. God, I need this. I need it. And you love me and you tell, but God, and you need to get a little bit more attitude in your prayer life. That's what this text is telling you to do. God's heart is waiting to be moved. Relentless prayer moves God's heart. As I said earlier, nothing reveals your true theology like prayer. Nothing reveals your true theology of whether you think God is your heavenly father or just some guy up there. Nothing reveals what you think about the power of God like how you pray. Nothing reveals whether you believe the gospel that Jesus Christ came to give you access like whether you take advantage of the access or not. God has chosen prayer to be the primary vehicle of fruitfulness and bringing glory to his name. Do you believe that? See, that's hard for people like some of us. We're task-oriented. I gotta do something for God. God, I'm a doer, I'm a doer. And really what we need to learn is doing is great, serving is great. But what Jesus is telling me in John is that I'm nothing apart from him. I'm nothing And if that doesn't sink in, I will continue to spend my life like my hamster in my living room, churning away, but accomplishing very little in light of eternity. And the same is true for you. The burden of my heart is that this church will grow significantly in relentless prayer over this coming year. I want to just briefly share the vision for this. In Luke chapter 19... You're thinking about Jesus. What did Jesus think about the temple, a place devoted to worship? I realize this is not a temple. This is just a building, but it's a building devoted to the worship of Jesus Christ. It says in Luke chapter 19, verse 45, that he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers, and he cleaned out. Listen, There's a lot could be said there. Here's the point. I think Jesus' vision for buildings devoted to his name is that they're devoted to being a house of prayer, a place of connection with God. My heart for our church, our elders have talked about this a bit lately, that in this year, 2023, we're gonna devote a room, which is right back out this way. We cleared it out. We're gonna devote that room to prayer. 
In fact, later this year, I'm gonna be asking some of us to take once a month and go into that room and cry out to God. We're gonna put uh, things in that room that are gonna be focused on prayer. I'm gonna ask that some of you will join teams that will pray before the service, that will pray that God's spirit would work in this room as we're hearing God's word preached, as we're worshiping together. I'm gonna ask some of you to join on prayer teams that are gonna come up after the service. You know, often I stand up here and I pray with people. It doesn't need to be me. And I want a team of people who are crying out to God. It will be so awesome to see services end and people coming to the front saying, I need help. I need God to work. Would you pray with me? Would you help me give my life to Jesus Christ? I'm hoping at some point even the elders have talked about having a prayer meeting going in the middle of the service. We're going to have quarterly prayer nights, prayer journals to record what God is doing and seeing his faithfulness. Times of fasting and prayer praying in our grace groups. God, help our church family to become a church of relentless prayer. Will you be committed to that? This is what our church is committed to. Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. If you missed part of today's message or would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please visit our archive of Meeting with God radio programs at our website, verticalchurch.life. There you'll find a collection of past messages from God's Word, which you can listen to easily, as well as share with your family and friends. Also on our website, you can learn how to connect with Vertical Church personally if you're in Columbus or leave a prayer request. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.